Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall, be in, shall, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the, poor in, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness', for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and under all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who are before you. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for just who you are, Father, and your character. Father, your, your light to us, Father, and you've, you've given, given us light to our, our souls. Where at one point we were in darkness, and Father, we thank you for that. Pray, Father, you'll be with our time today, that we understand your word, Father, understand how it impacts our life, and Father, that we can uh, impact others uh, for your glory. Christ, let me pray. Amen. We've been going through a series, um, a Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Shane's been going through that for a couple of months. I guess it's been that long. Uh, and we've recently gone, finished the Beatitudes. That's why I wanted Hunter to read them today, just to remind us where we are in the text, to remind us of uh, the calling that, um, that we as the church have, uh, but also to refresh our, our mind about these different, different aspects that the church is called to be and, and different traits that should be evident in our life. Uh, these are, Shane's mentioned several times, these are attitudes that ought to be. As a believer, these are things that, that are evident in our life or should be evident in our life and at some point must be evident in our life. These are things that, that's a, a transformation of us from what we once were to what we are now as believers in Christ. There's a, there's a new creature that we are. We're, we're created new. And because of that, there's a difference in our life and there's a, an evidence of that as it li it's lived out in our life. As we go through, as we went through those, um, I list them again, poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. And those are great things to see in people. We want to see those things in our life. We, if we see someone exhibiting these things in their life, like, man, those are great. Those are awesome. I want somebody to make peace. You know, if, if peace needs to be made, I want somebody to make peace. It's talking more than just earthly realm. It's peace with the Lord. You know, it's, it's poor in spirit because of our sin. It's, it's, it's in, in reverence and in, in view of the Lord, not just uh, mankind. So we hear that list and we think those are great qualities. But then we come to, to the next one. It's looking, um, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's got a little different tone to it, right? That's not, that's not all smiley there. Persecuted. But we see the reason why they're persecuted. For what? For righteousness' sake. For the Lord. For the, for, because the person's been living for the Lord. Because the person is speaking on the Lord's behalf. That's why the persecution is there. And the natural tendency for everyone is, is man, I don't want to deal with that. That's the natural man. But as believers... Those who, who have put their faith in Christ, have repented our sins, put their faith in Christ, and we've been transformed, our, our desire to some degree should be that we are suffering for the Lord. 
the expectation for us is that we are in some degree suffering for the Lord. Not something that somebody else needs to do. Someone else needs to be suffering, and I'm okay here. But that's something that should be happening in our own lives as well. So, so when that happens, what we have to evaluate ourselves, have I suffered for the Lord any? Is there anything that in my life they could say is, is persecution? It's part of the Beatitudes. It's part of the things that, ha- that happen in the natural flow of things as we follow Christ. Uh, even after that, Jesus gets more pointed and brings it closer to home. Blessed are you, not just those, not just those other folks, but blessed are you. He's talking to his disciples, specifically his disciples who are with him right there on the mount. His 12, but also those others who were there following him who were, who were his disciples. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. So he's saying not just those folks are blessed, but you are blessed. This is a blessing in your life. Why are those folks doing it? They're, they're doing all this because of, because of Christ, but they're uttering these things, all kinds of evil against you, falsely. There's no justification in what they're saying. You're not, um, you're not living a life that, does, that requires uh, being scolded because you're living a life that honors the Lord. But these are false accusations that are happening. And he's saying, blessed are you when this happens. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, so they persecute the prophets that were before you. So in the context of living a life described in the Beatitudes, in the context of Jesus explaining what this life is by giving all those examples of the Beatitudes, uh, we're called to this higher living. Uh, the stage is, being also, is also being set to, for there to be a distinguishable difference. Even the world knows if someone claims to be a Christian and they do some, something that's heinous, they say, well, they call, they call themselves a Christian, right? They, they recognize that there's to be a difference within us. If the world recognizes that, man, how much more should we recognize that there's to be a difference in my life compared to what I used to be, but even in, in that compared to what the world is now, the, in the world of darkness, we're to be a light, we're to be solid, and that's, that's the text we're going over today. The followers of Christ, um, there's to be a difference between those who follow Christ compared to those who don't. The salt and the light compared to the earth and compared to the world. Uh, I want to say that the standard of living that we're called to is higher than that of the world, but even that statement falls short, that our standard of living, it's beyond that, it's more a standard of being this is who we are in Christ. It's not you're attaining to this by your own effort, and it's not that you live a Christian life for 20 years, and finally you're salt. You know, been putting all these things together, right? And finally you're the salt of the earth. No, Jesus says, because of the, the change that Christ has made in you from the inside, these things well up from the, within, from the spirit within us, we are salt of the earth. He says, you are salt of the earth. So it's... it's not really a standard of living, it's more a standard of being, but because of that standard of being that, that God's creating within us, it works its way out in our living. Because we've been changed, we will look different than the world. Because we've been changed, we won't look like we did in the past. Because we've been changed, our life will be different than the, the life of the world and the dark world that's around us. So it calls us to question, are we different? Do we look different? Not just to myself, but to the world. Do they see a difference in us? doesn't mean they like the difference, uh, but there should be a distinguishable difference between us. Uh, Jesus also didn't teach the Beatitudes in some hypothetical manner, as though there were some people 
in some place who live this way. He's calling his followers to be this way and to live this way, which will eventually result in their persecution, will eventually result in our persecution because we're living this life out before men. Across the world, even as, as Rodney was, was reading that about that, that missionary, um, people are persecuted daily, murdered, raped, kids taken away, property taken away, lives destroyed. Uh, in the U.S., uh, we don't typically see that type of persecution. That may happen. Uh, I don't, I'm not aware of that to that extreme happening, but it may. Uh, but in the U.S., we've been kind of sheltered from that type of persecution, it seems like. What happens to us in the U.S.? We may lose a job, possibly. Maybe passed over for, uh, for a promotion. Maybe heckled. Maybe laughed at. Um, but we haven't seen... Uh, in our generation, what, what that looks like compared to what's in the, in the other world, across the world uh, for now. Uh, we see our civilized society over the last month and a half devolve before our eyes, have we not? The things we see on TV, the things that um, we see daily. If you watch TV or if you watch YouTube or, or Facebook, you see these things daily. It's, it's not something new that's happening, but it's happening before our eyes, and it has happened at an expedited rate, I believe. Um, so why is it happening so fast? Why are these things, are we, are we seeing these things? Um, it's not because those things never happened. It's just being exposed now. The hearts of those in this dark world are being exposed for what they are. And scripture, the Scripture gives us understanding of that, and we'll go over that today. But, but it's not that these things are new. We're, we're seeing them elevated because there are folks in, in higher positions of authority. Academia, the media, are pushing a narrative that what's wrong is right. And they say what's right is wrong, and you're not tolerant, and you're not, you're not, you're not understanding. Now, wrong is wrong. And right is right. Whether you're a cop that's bad or whether you're a protester that's bad, doesn't matter what, what you do or who you are, there's right actions and there's wrong actions. And as the church, we call those things out for what they are. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. We, we don't play favorites. We, we speak the truth. Our, our justice system comes back to one person. It comes back to God. And he knows what's right. And he knows what's wrong. And he's paid the debt for those wrongs. For those whose faith is in Christ. For those of us who trust the Lord, who've repented of our sins and put our faith in Christ. But there's also a justice that's still waiting for those whose faith is not in Christ. For those who oppose the Lord. What I see today is similar to what I, I read in Romans 1. It, that they were given over to do what not ought to be done. And then God gave them over again. And God gave them over again. We see this playing out before our eyes. But we can't just look at them and say, Lord, get them one day. We use the Scripture and we look at ourselves too. We evaluate our hearts. Are we honest with the Lord? Are we confessing our sins? Are we, are we bringing these things to the Lord? Are we evaluating our life compared to what the Lord calls us to, to be in the Beatitudes? Or are we brushing that off and saying, look at them? We have to look at ourselves as well. We have to... Um, 
evaluate as well. Not that we can work our way out of this by ourselves. It's got to be the Spirit of the Lord that, that gives us help and that, that redeems us. Uh, but we are to evaluate ourselves as well. As followers of Christ, we get our understanding of the world through Scripture. It's a worldview. That's what we call it. It's a biblical worldview. We understand what's going on in the world because of, the, of what Scripture teaches. Scripture's everlasting. It's not going to change. We understand Scripture and we can understand the world but through Scripture. Even though we may be a little surprised by the speed of things happening in the world today, uh, we really shouldn't be that surprised. It's just a revelation of the, the hearts of those who are involved. Uh, in reality, the hearts of men and women are being revealed before our eyes. Uh, and through the study of sub and submission of Scripture, our hearts are revealed as well. Uh, in the next few verses, uh, verse 13, um, Jesus addresses his disciples' impact on the world through, through a few metaphors. So we, we, he's gone over the Beatitudes. He's explained what life in Christ looks like, what, what uh, those who... He's talking to his, his disciples. Those who are following him are to be like this. And in verse 13, we get to, to this point. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Directly, Jesus tells the disciples that they are the salt of the earth. He's not, not pointing to somebody else. He's talked about the, those who do this, you, and, and specifically, you, now he's saying you, and he's saying his, to his disciples that, that they need to be the salt of the earth, that they are the salt of the earth. Not that they attain something else, but this is who they are. Uh, he, he doesn't tell them they need to become salt or to act like salt, but that they are salt. Why salt? Why not? I like sugar. Well, <laughs> cinnamon sometimes. But I'm allergic to cinnamon. There's a movie that says that, but anyway. Why, why salt? Why not sugar? Why not cinnamon? There's, there's a certain part of salt that, that, is, uh, that is key for life. I'm not sure if you knew that. I looked, I looked this up. I didn't know this before. But someone who weighs 100 pounds has 4 pounds of salt in their body. Someone who weighs 200 would be 8 pounds. Don't estimate what I, how much salt is in my body. I got more than that. But salt is key to life. We see it in, every, it's in the ocean. It's in, our, it's in our body. It's key to life. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You, my disciples, are key to life here on this earth. You're a key ingredient. Not something that's just, you can add as, as you need it, but something that's key in our life. Everybody would have understood the, the, what salt is. Even the poor families would, would understand what salt is. It's something that, that gives taste to the tasteless. It's something that, that provides a, uh, by its influence, it provides a change to what it's influencing. The disciples were to be that in the world. You are the salt of the earth. You're to influence the earth. You're to influence those that, with whom you come in contact with. You're not to be bland and, and just like them, but you're to be separate, called out, separate, and an in, impacting um, element in their life. So it's necessary and it's beneficial to everyone's life. Everyone needs it, and the value is unmistakable. Even the Roman soldiers at some point, to some degree, were paid in some salt from time to time. You ever heard the phrase, he's worth his salt? There's, there's value there. Not that they spent the salt, but they could, spend the, they could sell the salt for, for money. You know, but there's value in the salt. 
You're the salt of the earth. There's value in you being here. God's got a purpose for you to be in here. Same, it implies to us as well. He was speaking to his disciples. But we understand the application for us today is that we are the disciples now. We're the salt of the earth. We, we have a point, uh, a place to, in, in, in our lives that we are to, to be influential, influential to others. It was used as a seasoning uh, for the bland and the tasteless. Um, do you like salt? What if you didn't have salt? Salt is a grace of the Lord, right? You know, if, if we don't have salt in some foods, that can be a little too much sometimes. I know before my grandmother passed away, her tastes, she couldn't smell very well, so it affected her taste. There would be tons of salt in there. It would be almost too much. Now, every analogy when it comes to Christ doesn't work out, but we are to be salt in the world. We are to be salt uh, for those in this, in this tasteless world. Our influence in the world is a grace of the Lord to those who reject Him, even those who don't know Christ. Our presence here is a grace from the Lord to them. Not only is, is salt um, uh, had a characteristic like that, but also prior to refrigeration capability, salt was used to preserve. It was a preservative effect. Uh, salt naturally preserves, and, and foods naturally do what? Decay. So in, in the immediate use, you know, they would put, put the salt on the food, it would preserve uh, the food so it wouldn't decay so quickly. Um, if we look at salt and electron microscope, I have a picture here. There's, there's on the left side, you see a, little cubes of salt, salt square. Uh, but each of those little cubes is not the same thing as the, the ionic drawing on the right side. It's multiple of those, but it's stable. It's secure. Salt's made of uh, sodium and chloride. Sodium is not a stable thing by itself. Sodium is, is reactive. Sodium is, is, is not stable by itself. But when it's joined with chloride, it becomes stable. We are salt of the earth. Of ourselves, in our natural state, we're probably not very stable. We have issues. we got our own issues that we deal with. Maybe uh, it's anger. Maybe it's all kinds of different things. But because of Christ, the influence of Christ, and what he brings about in our life, he brings that stability so that we can be salt to the earth. He brings that stability to us. If we go to the next slide, we see the Beatitudes. I kind of made a little diagram to show how these Beatitudes create stability in our life as well. That's not the purpose of those, so that we're stable people. The purpose of the Beatitudes that people, is that the world sees us, sees our testimony, and they look to Christ. But we see that as we live our life out, these things provide stability in our life. These things demonstrate stability in our life. Um, being meek. These are attitudes that we're to have. And, and when these things are evident, man, the world sees us and they see a difference. When these things are not evident, they don't see a difference in us. We're called to be different. We're called to be salt in the, in the earth. Stability is found when all these traits are working together in believer's life. And when that happens... It will be evident to the observer. The believer will be a, a seasoning of grace in the lives around him, and he will slow down the decay from around him. In our life, we will, we will season others' lives with the grace that we provide, offering peace, not just with each other, but offering peace between them and the Lord. And how do we offer that peace? By giving them the gospel. 
not just by living a life that, that honors the Lord, but also speaking the gospel to, to folks that are around us. They can see a difference in us and think that it's just because we're just born a natural good guy. But when we do good things, what do we do? We give glory to the Lord so they know what the, the impetus is for us to do those good things. They know why we're doing these things. They know that we have been changed because of Christ and because the, the change that Christ has wrought in us, these things are, are a byproduct of that. That's the Christian life. We'll be seasoning our lives around us and we'll slow down the decay of the fallen world and this, this presence, our presence and influence will be a key part of that. Uh, not just our presence and influence. It's got to be the Lord that does the work. But He's using us to do that. So point one, number one, you are salt to the earth, a necessary and preserving agent in a decaying world. You're salt. I'm salt. If you're a believer. And these things are working a way out. We're able to, the, the world is able to see a difference in us. And the decay of this world that we see around us, the influence of Christ's followers is to have a slowing effect on the decadence of the world. Our very presence should have a preserving factors in others' lives. You ever been at work? Hopefully, hopefully we've all experienced this somewhere in our life, and someone's telling a joke, and they apologize to you. Why would they apologize? Because they know there's a difference in our life. They know that, well, I don't want to offend. He's a Christian. I shouldn't be talking like that around them. Even though it's a weird idea the world has about believers, they, they recognize that there should be a difference in us, and hopefully they're seeing that difference in us, and they apologize whenever their behavior is like that. Now, sometimes maybe we have been the one telling those jokes. Maybe we've been the one that apologized to someone else. So we need to, to make sure that we are being salt to those folks. We need to make sure that we are um, not just having our influence on them, but also sharing the gospel as we go through that, the gospel is key as well. Not just our life, but our, action, our words as well of, of telling the gospel. That's where the salvation comes through, not just through watching your testimony. Nobody can look at you and get saved. Nobody can look at me and get saved. They have to hear the gospel. They have to repent and believe the gospel. All right, there's a second part to that verse, though. If you look, look at the verse again, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. In some circumstances, salt would be a part of the material, but there would be some, um, some bogus material. There would be some, some infiltrations of things that weren't uh, good substances that would, would be intermingled with the salt. Certain areas like around the Dead Sea or something, there would be a... a Something that looks like salt, it would have some salt, salty characteristics, but not everything in that, that compound, in that, that material was salt. So salt is still useful, but sometimes there can be things that look like salt and it's not beneficial. Sometimes there can be a life of someone who comes to church who has dropped things of the world. They've, they've started a, making their life look like the church, but are they true salt? may just be a substance, maybe just the substance of what's there, but not the essence of what salt is. So the saltiness is our testimony. The saltiness is the the, those that are truly salty, you're not going to lose that. that. That's going to be evident in your life. But there can be things that, that are coming in our life that mess up our testimony. There can be a, a things in our life where we're not living these beatitudes, and so our salt isn't really evident. Our saltiness isn't what it should be, and it may just be filler.
be something that's a foreign substance intermingled with salt. The effect of the salt on the surroundings would be negated due to the impurities. Think about our testimony before the world. Is our testimony something that the world looks at and because of the impurity of us, they say, I don't want part of that. Are we perfect? No. No, we're not perfect, but there's a difference in our life as believers and so the world looks at us and recognizes that's a, there's a true difference. Not just there's a, a, a face that we put on here and here's how we are over here in this different situation. There's a difference, there's a true difference. So we don't want to, to lose our effect on, on those that were, were coming around. There's a distinct difference between the church and the world. As the church, we are not to be contaminated by looking like the world. There's, there's been a movement in the past called the emergent church where they look, like the wor- they look like the world in order to do what? To bring the world in, hoping somebody gets saved. But there's, that's a, a faulty view of of Christ to the world. We don't want to look like the world. We're called to be separate. We're called to be distinct and different than the world. They can look like the world wherever they want to. Coming to church and looking like the world and being the world is, is just still a, a path to hell. There's got to be a change that's wrought about Christ and that difference is, is what brings folks to Christ. It's not um, the similarities we have with the world. Uh, we're called out. We're called to be uh, separate and called out, and there should be a distinguishable difference between us and the world. Uh, when there's no difference between the believer and the world, the effect is lost. Effect is lost. Jesus continues with another metaphor in verse 14, uh, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. And Jesus, Jesus in, in John 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world, but he calls us lights as well. The light that we have is not something that we've mustered up. It's not something that we've created. It's not a spark that we've, we've created in our life, but it's something that's been given to us through the Spirit. It's been given to us through Jesus. He's the light, and any light that we broadcast or share out is only the light of Christ that's living through us. It's, it's through Him. He's, he's the true light, but He's called us to be lights as well. Um, he has preeminence when it comes to being the light of the world, yet He calls believers the light of the world as well. We reflect the light of, that He puts within us. Again, we're distinctive, separate. We're also recognizable. He, recognize, he references also a city on a hill. Uh, this is a city is not going to be built on a hill on accident. A city desires to, to build, well, whoever desires to build a city, builds it in the, the hopes that someone will come there to be a place of market place and, and to, to people to come live and to, to build their lives around unless it's a city that's in hiding. Right? A city in hiding may go, we, we, we build a house on our farm and we put it on the hill but there's a place on our farm, there's a cove back behind where we could be hidden from the world. We thought about building over there. But why would we want to be building over there where we can't see our sunsets, we can't, see, we can't be seen, we're not in hiding, right? So typically a city is not built uh, with the purpose of hiding itself. A city is built with the purpose of welcoming others, being a light to others, being 
someone that, that's welcoming of others and being an influence. There's a purpose for that location. It's to be seen by others. The purpose, uh, the intention would never be so that they aren't noticed. All right? So a city being built on a hill is to, to draw attention, is to, to influence, and it's to, to be a place um, that's noticed. Like a city on a hill, we're the light of the world. We're not to be hidden. We're not to be secret Christians. We're not to be uh, someone that's, that's hiding as a Christian. We're to be someone that's living our life for Christ, living our life with the light that Christ's given us and, uh, so that he can give a light to others and, and so we can influence others as well. The purpose of lighting a light, also talking about lighting a light, put under a bushel, is not to hide the light. The purpose of the light is to provide light, not to be hidden. Now, to put it under a basket to be hidden is to be used to illuminate the world around it. It talks about being the light in the house. When, we, when we're to be a light of the world, we also need to be a light in our own house, right? As a believer, my, my life at home and the way I interact with my family shouldn't be foreign. If someone hears how I act at home, shouldn't be foreign to someone at church. But he acts like that. That's not how we are to be. We're to be steady. We're to be a light at home but also a light in the world. where Our light is to shine wherever we are. It should be uh, consistent as well. So the believer, uh, the church is in contrast to the world here as well. You're light of what? Of the world. The Christian is the light. The world is darkness. We're to be an impact. We're to be uh, a light in the dark world. We're to be influential on the world through our light and illumination of the darkness of this world. It's the contrast, but the difference Christ has made in us that, uh, that will be the difference. We, they see the difference that Christ has made in us, and they, they can also recognize the darkness uh, that's in the world. Purpose is to illuminate and to re resist and fight the darkness. Our call is to, to do that, to illuminate, to, to shed light to the world, but also to fight the darkness. Through the power of the Spirit, we, we stand up. Our, our fight's not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities in this dark world. It's not, not against people, but against this ideology of against Christ. It's against the, the, the spirit of the Antichrist. So we're to be influential on the world through light and illumination of the darkness in this world. Um, it doesn't, they didn't have spotlights, I don't think, in, in Jesus' time. They didn't have a 10 million candle power spotlight. So the light he's talking about is not a blinding light that is just blinding everybody's looking at you. You're not, you're not overpowering people with this light. You're consistent, steadfast, persistent in how we serve the Lord. It's not a flare-up like, like an explosion of light, but it's a consistent light that the Lord has, has called us to. Different purposes. I mean, you could, you could increase the oil in the lamp and it would be brighter. It could be just a match. I've got, got a picture here. Look at this image of a candle. The Christian is the candle, and we see the, the rays of light coming off the candle are the Beatitudes. These are the character traits in our life. This is what people see. We see they see meekness in us. They see a purity in our heart. And those things will they'll recognize the light through that. Not a defilement of our heart. Who, who, who of us would want to be described as decaying and defiled? You know, Boy, I want to be like him. No, it's, it's the purity in our life. It's the change that Christ has wrought in us. Being a peacemaker, being poor in spirit, hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
We're perfect in all these? No. But our, our progress is towards these things. Our progress is these things being more evident in our life daily. Our progress is, is being a light in the world that is exemplified by these character traits. These character traits change the way we live. Our actions reflect these attitudes that are in our heart. The character becomes evident to the observer by the by the witnessing these beatitudes. This is our testimony of the world through the testimony to the world through the way that we live our life differently. Our testimony is a different life of our of a different life. It's not sufficient for salvation. They're not going to see us and be saved. But it's a, a means that the Lord's given us to share the gospel as well. We also have to speak the words. So this is one picture. We go to the next one. We see uh, there's one, but not just one, right? There's, the church is made up of many people. When we all are living a life that reflects Christ, we're all living out these beatitudes because they've been changed, we've been changed within, the world sees a consistency in the light that we have. And also the light is becoming brighter around us. Now we don't see this in the world because the world is dark, right? The world is, is darkness, but we are to stand out in that. It looks like it's darker and darker every day. And we shouldn't be surprised. It doesn't mean our light should be snuffed out. Our light should be even more brighter uh, because it's being contrasted to the darkness of the world. The light that we, that we as a church share is the light of Christ exposing the deeds of this dark world, but also offering hope that we have in salvation through Christ. It's not just that we're different, but that we have hope in salvation. Our hope is not in a, a new president or the same president. Our hope is not in this new law or, or abolishing an old law or tearing down a statue, or putting up a statue, our hope is not in any of those things. Some of those things are ridiculous on both sides. But our hope is in Christ. Our hope is the life that He's changed within us. And we're the light to the world so they can see that hope. So point two, you are the light of the world, providing guidance and hope amid the darkness. We are the light. God's given us That title is, is Light of the World. Regarding Christ, in John 3 we read, um, we read this, And this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. This is a biblical verse from thousands of years ago. But it is still applicable today. People love darkness rather than the light. Don't expect to be loved by everyone. We can't expect that. Now, we should have a good testimony, right? People should like us. And if they're going to say things against us, it should be something that's false. But we're not going to be liked by everyone. The, the darkness doesn't like the light. The darkness fights against it. But this is the judgment. Light is coming to the world. Christ came to the world. That's the judgment of the world on the, the darkness that's there. Um, People love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. People are still the same today. At one point, guess what? We were there. At one point, we as believers love the darkness more than the light. There's no room for boasting. There's no room for, for pride in my salvation other than in, in pride in Christ and, and giving Him the glory. But at one point, we were there. 
And without the grace of God, we'd still be there. So it's, it's, it, all the glory goes back to Him. What light do we have apart from Christ? No light except that which we were given. And the only light that we have to share is that which we've been given. Also in Ephesians 5, it says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. We're called to live a life that's different. We're called to live a life that's a light to the world, salt and light. Point three, being salt and light are not a means of salvation, but the result of salvation. Jesus isn't given this text so that, so that they could attain to be salt, so that they could attain to be light in the world by doing these things, but by being these things. God has created them to be these things. The new creation, those things are being wrought within us. The Spirit does this work within us. The Spirit gives us the desire to, do these things, to be these things, and the Spirit gives us the ability to act on it. It's not things that we're working on our own ability, but it, the Lord gives us a desire to do it, and He gives us the ability to do these things. It's not a means of salvation, but it's uh, the result of our salvation. Salvation happens, and these things are evident in our life. For anyone listening today that's not repented or put, and put your faith in Christ, um, that there's no salt in you yet. There's no light in you. The salt and light come from Christ. It's not, not something you can muster up. It's not something that you can create. It's not something you can get your life together and, and do better. No. Those things are, are a result of the Spirit and His work. That's the result of salvation. We must conclude that our understanding of these truths with the purpose that God intended and has expressed in these verses. In verse 16 we read, It is the same way... I'm sorry, in the same way, let your light shine before others. This is how he's ended this little section here. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The purpose of our saltiness, the purpose of our, the light within us is not just for people to look at us. It's not just for people to look at the church and say, well, the church is good. We need to support the church. We need to stand with the church. It goes beyond that. It goes to God. It goes to Christ. They see our good works, and they do what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's the end result. That's what we sing about. The glory goes to Him. The glory of my salvation is not that I, that I just got saved. is that He has done the work. God's glorified even in those who go to hell. That's a tough thing to think about, but He's just... And he'll be glorified for those that, that are punished in hell because he is holy. Doesn't seem right to us sometimes, but, but it's right. He's holy and he's just and he deserves all the glory from everything that, that, that we as a Christian live our life out. Uh, the, the story today remind me, reminded me of... Uh, Remember all the details. I know it's from 10 shekels in a shirt. I mentioned that sermon a bunch of times to, to folks. But, uh, but as the guys were being carried away to the island never to see their family again, uh, they were yelling to their family, saying, may the, may the lamb receive the glory of his suffering, the, the reward of his suffering. May the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. They were going to an island to, to never see their family again to, so they can preach the gospel to those on the island. May the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. That's the souls of men. 
That's the glory he gets because of the salvation of men's souls. Taking this, this decaying piece of meat that we are in our flesh and in our spirit and giving us life and restoring us to newness and, and giving us hope, he gets all the glory for that. If you get nothing else from what, we're, what I'm talking about today is that God deserves the glory. That's why we live a life that's different. That's why we're, we're changed in our, in our attitude, in our, in our being, and that works its way out. It's for God's glory. Not because we want to get salvation or an attaboy, but it's for God's glory. We need to, to consider that in our life. Are we doing the things that we do for God's glory? Are we desiring His glory in our life? The purpose of our saltiness and our light in this world is our, and our nature is changed, resulting in a life of good works. This glorifies God. Good works are testimony of a changed life that we live out and our sharing of the gospel. Those things are, are glorifying God. Those are the good works that we're doing because we've been saved. The good works are witnessed by others so they glorify the Lord. Our desires, they get saved because that's, that's the best way they can glorify the Lord in the, in the, by, by recognizing Him for who He is. He's worthy. He's the only one worthy. Point four, being salt and light in the world have an eternal purpose. It's not just for this world to make this world better, though we should do that. We should be a, a season for the world. It's not just so that we can give light to this world, though we should do that. The eternal purpose is God's glory. It comes back to His glory. So question today, if you're an unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever, God has provided a way for you to escape the darkness. God's provided a way for your life to be changed. But it's not just for those things. Those things are good. It's not hell insurance. You know, we try to get out of hell. His, his offer of salvation is for His glory. If you're an unbeliever, glorify the Lord. Repent and believe. Trust that what Christ did on the cross, He did on your behalf. He died, was buried, was raised again. Today, he, He's beside the Father making intercession for us for His glory. And there's nothing wrong with that because He's holy and He's just and everything He does is right. If you're a believer, is there a difference in your life? Think about your home life first. Is there a difference in home? Am I light to my family? Am I salt to my family? I have to consider this as well. Now, sometimes if we say salty, you know, someone says, I was a little salty with them. That's not a good thing there. That, that means I was coarse and I wasn't, wasn't probably the, the best in how I responded to someone. But being salt in our family is a good thing. Preserving, influencing. Being light to our family is a good thing. Weeding out the darkness that's, that's around us. Exposing things that, that need to be corrected. Um, but we also do it for the world. We, as the church, are to be called, or are to, are to be salt and light in this world. We're called that. Is our influence re reflecting that in the world? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for using us. Father, we don't see how 
uh, we can be used often. We don't see um, sometimes the benefit of, of, of our testimony, the benefit of, of us speaking to others. Uh, Lord, but you've uh, designed it this way that you're using us to, to share your gospel. You're using the, the life that, that you've given us to look different, uh, to stand out against the darkness uh, by example, Father, and, and uh, to expose the deeds of the darkness. Father, may we be a light in the world. May we uh, be an influence, uh, not for our own glory, not for our own um, desires, Father, but for your glory uh, so that others will come to know you by faith. Uh, Lord, if there's someone who doesn't know you by faith, Lord, that, that has not repented of their sins, turned away from their sins and turned to Christ, Father, help them to, to do that. Reveal that to them, Lord. Spirit, work in their life and draw them to yourself. Pray, Father, for us as believers that we, uh, this week, consider how we should influence those around us through our words and through our deeds and, and through um, just the internal change that you've wrought within us. Christ, and we pray. Amen.